I enjoyed that. Thank you. Now that we are all relaxed and enjoying the moment, let's get our Bibles out, our smart devices out, and let's look in God's Word this morning. I'll give you the reference here in just a second. If you do have a smartphone that you're using, uh, preferably if you're born again and fully go field an iPhone. Um, if you're still struggling, you might have an Android, but <laughs> that's a joke, okay? Please know that. I want to wish my very dearest friend in Oklahoma, Jonathan Dupee, a happy 50th birthday. He has joined the Big 5-0 Club watching this morning in Oklahoma. Thank you, Jonathan. He is a great, great friend. He lives in Oklahoma, has a very successful business. He was here for our first men's uh, encounter, and he kind of formed, uh, thank you, uh, Freedom Brothers, and we've adopted that for our men ministry here and we're a chapter of Freedom Brothers Oklahoma here in West Virginia and now I can see my notes um, and he has been a great great friend and he faithfully supports Grace Life financially every week in Oklahoma from Oklahoma that's amazing that somebody would do that and we're just appreciative of that um, how many of you watch late night Shows like uh, Jimmy Fallon or any of those people. Good. We all got born-again believers in the house this morning. I guess I'm a sinner. Uh, I watch Gutfield uh, on Fox News. And those guys usually do a monologue at the beginning of their sh uh, shows. And I thought I would start with a little prologue this morning before I get into the message to set the scene. So I wrote this down after my week, and so my conversations this week have led to some observations. Those observations um, have allowed me to see things differently here lately. Uh, the, we know culture seems to be spinning out of control. Um, not just here in West Virginia, but globally, on the global spectrum. Uh, it's chaos has ensued, violence is everywhere, and the virus all of a sudden has taken a back seat to the riot. Or to the raid, I'm sorry. The raid. Do you know what the raid is? Focus is being consumed by the attention we are giving to chaos. The circumstances, the situations that are around us in the world. And we can begin to slowly conform to the culture if we're not careful. When all, and when all reality is that you are called and I am called to be transformed and to be transformative, okay? We are not conforming to the culture. We're not letting the culture conform us. We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the washing of the word, and then we are therefore transformative We've been talking about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring that gospel. It was the purpose of Jesus, the righteousness, peace, and joy located in the, in the Holy Ghost. That's what we are declaring. That was his purpose. That is our purpose. We are advancing the gospel as we spoke about last week. But I believe that if we're not careful, we will lose our focus. And we have got to bring ourselves back to the to the fact that we are kingdom-minded people. So travel with me over to 2 Corinthians. Kingdom-minded people 
operate with kingdom principles. This is the last message in the series of the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, We found out the first week we declare that gospel. Last week we learned that we advance that gospel. And this morning we're going to look at how we operate in the midst of chaos based upon kingdom principles. Because if we don't have any kingdom principles, then we will be conformed to the world which is unprincipled. We're going to see that this morning. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verses 3 through 6. Let me, let me read it to you first from the King James, New King James, and then we're going to look at it together on the screen in the Message Bible. Listen to this from New King James. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, we don't walk in this world according to the world's principles. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. For full, pulling down strongholds. Frank, I'm amazed how Holy Spirit has been helping you this week. Every song that we sang this morning is going to have, be referenced in this message without us coordinating with well, the Holy Spirit coordinated. It's just amazing. We spoke about strongholds this morning. Yes, sir. So uh, all those songs, they didn't show up until this morning at 5 a.m. I wondered why I didn't get a copy on Friday night like I usually do. (laughs) Strongholds, if you want to make reference to that, are mindsets. Strongholds are mindsets. Strongholds aren't fortifications in the physical realm that we come with weapons to attack and pull down. Strongholds are mindsets. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. In God, and they pull down mindsets or strongholds, casting down our arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. Now, that's a lot of Paulinian language. Let's break it down, or for me, I like to dumb it down for myself. So I go to the Passion Translation or the Message Bible, and this is what the message paraphrase says. It says that the world is unprincipled. Would you agree? It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. That's exactly massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools or principles for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Does any of this resonate? I mean, we can see what's going on and we know that there are barriers being erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of the life shaped by Christ. Our tools or principles are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Key, underline that, maturity. The problem is we have a lot of unbelieving believers 
who believed on Jesus for salvation, but they don't believe that everything that he promised is theirs today, and they are unbelieving believers that are conforming and therefore immature. The world is unprincipled. It's a cutthroat society. It's a culture that operates on unethical dealings and unfair treatment of others. We would call it social injustice. Jesus said that we have been placed in this world, but we are not of this world. But there is a tension between the kingdom-minded believer and the chaos of the age in which they live. So there is a tension, and it's sometimes a healthy tension to keep our attention and our focus that we are kingdom-minded believers, and therefore we operate on kingdom principles. We don't operate on the unprincipled issues of the world. And there's a tension. And people are being drawn by that tension. It's a tug of war that's going on in your mind and in your soul. That's why Paul said, why do I do the things that I wish I didn't do and why can't I do the things that I wish I could do? It's that tension that's being pulled. Here's a good question to start with. It's how do we navigate that tension? Scripture gives us some good insight into defining the world's system and Paul reminds us that we should not be conformed to this world system or the age. When the word world is used, uh, we have to know the Greek uh, usage of that word. Is it cosmos, the blue spinning ball and everybody that's on it, or is it age? And a lot of times when he's talking about being conformed to the world, he's talking about being conformed to the age in which you're living in, culture. And he reminds us that that could include imitating idols of the world. Where's the grace at, Pastor? The grace is that's what you fall into if you would happen to lose your focus. Um, We're going to see this today. We've got to stop copying the behavior of the world. It's language. It's behavior. See, when we use certain vocabulary that is a part of the system and the culture of the age, you are conforming and not transforming. If I'm declaring the gospel of the kingdom, but I'm using the vocabulary of the age, it's very difficult to be impactful on the ones that are talking the same way that you are talking. Now see, now you're talking about, Pastor, you're calling it sin. No, what I'm telling you is that you are not leaving the residue of the kingdom behind you when you are interacting in culture if you are conforming, using their language, and acting the same way that they're acting. You want to know the evidence of being born again is a changed life. There it is. I said it. Okay? I'm not negating anything about the grace of God that I've been teaching or will continue to teach. But the grace of God has showed up to empower us to deny ungodliness. So don't accept its opinions. Don't accept the opinions of the age. 
and don't adopt to its way of life. That's what Paul was reminding us about when he said don't conform to this age. Listen, if you allow it, it will squeeze the life out of you. It will try to form you and shape you into its mold. Now, many have become well-adjusted to the world's culture and customs that they fit in without even knowing it. So that's what's called going with the flow. And I've found out that a lot of times that going with the flow flows against the flow of the Holy Spirit. I, I have an indwelling spirit that speaks to me, that helps me, guides me, is a rudder on the ship of grace in the sea of freedom. The result is we believe those who have believed have become unprincipled. I'm not negating salvation in anyone's life this morning who has believed. But what I'm saying is that when we don't believe we are a part of the kingdom and we don't believe that we have to change and we keep acting the way that we want to act and talking the way that we want to talk without allowing Holy Spirit to guide us, we become unprincipled. And the scripture in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter said, the world is unprincipled. In other words, they're operating outside the principles of the kingdom of God and we are ambassadors of that kingdom of which we are citizens and we've been placed here in this world to transform it as ambassadors. When an apostle was sent, when Rome took over a territory and defeated that region, the, the emperor would send apostles in. Those apostles or ambassadors were sent to transform that culture into such a way that if the emperor himself would come to this new territory, it would be as if he had never left Rome. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the moment I feel God all over me, he steps foot on the planet, it would be as if he never left heaven. Man, that's good. The culture around you, if you will allow it, will be a dragon. It will drag on you. It will pull you down to its level of immaturity. If you choose not to implement kingdom principles, then it's possible to be lured into the system of this age in such a way that you have no impact on it. The primary principle of the world is manipulation. It's witchcraft. The same word that's used for manipulation and rebellion, the same word in the Greek is witchcraft. And it results in chaos. The word chaos in the Hebrew is a word that means emptiness, desolation and waste and the world in its chaos will offer you nothing but empty desolate promises but we do not live that way or fight our battles that way in the kingdom we never have and we're never going to right so let's look at kingdom principles that are not for marketing or for manipulation there's four of them they're energized with divine power and they're designed to effectively carry out these four things, okay? Kingdom principles energized by divine power 
and designed to effectively carry out these four things based upon the scripture from 2 Corinthians. Are you ready? I'd take notes. It's designed to demolish that entire massively corrupt culture of the world. The kingdom of God and its principles are energized with divine power and effective, are designed to effectively demolish the entire massive cor corruption of the culture. But if we're acting unprincipled and we're not operating in the principles of the kingdom of God, they will tend to draw us into their chaos and guess what happens? Our world, our lives get demolished. They're not only designed to demolish the entire massively corrupt culture of the world, but they are also designed to demolish every fantasy that opposes the kingdom of God. It's because it's all a fantasy. You can't defeat the kingdom of God. You can't oppose it because it's already defeated every other system. And so these principles were designed to effectively carry out and demolish every fantasy that would oppose the kingdom of God. Number two, it's designed to dismantle the defenses beyond which people, the defenses which people hide behind. They're called strongholds, mindsets, rebellious castles and centers of opposition to the kingdom of God. See, when you believe a lie, it becomes a stronghold that's a mindset, and then people hide behind those mindsets. And guess what? A lot of them are religious mindsets. But the kingdom principles are designed to dismantle them. Number three, they're designed to destroy warped philosophies. That's a particular system of thinking, a particular way of thinking a theory or an attitude held by a person or organization that acts as a guiding principle for their behavior. And there are worldly philosophies of this age that are guiding people's behavior. But the kingdom principles with divine power and effectiveness are designed to destroy warped philosophies. And number four, they're designed to decimate or tear down all the barriers that have been erected, listen to this, against the truth of God and His Word. Now let me say that I believe first and foremost that the Word of God is Jesus Christ Himself incarnate, but these are His words as well. Written on paper so that we could have them and learn by them. So it's designed to tear down the barriers that have been erected against the truth of God. Anything against Jesus is Antichrist. Paul had already said when he was writing his epistles that the spirit of the Antichrist had already been loosed. So stop looking for an individual. It's a system. It's not even capitalized in the scripture as a person, place, or thing. It is a system. And it's anything that's against God or Jesus and would exalt itself against the knowledge of who Jesus is. And so we have kingdom principles that decimate, tear down everything and all of the barriers that are erected against who He is. Now the unprincipled way of living leads to chaos. Chaos is defined as disorder, confusion, 
were behavior so behavior so unpredictable as to appear random. In other words, why are you acting like that? That's so random. It's because of the chaos that you've succumbed to. So we have to look at the example of the master and how he operated in kingdom principles. And I want to take you to Matthew, the fourth chapter. And as you turn to the gospel of Matthew, let me give you backstory. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 follows Matthew the third chapter. I did go to Taze Valley Christian and I did learn how to count in my ABCs. Chapter 3 is the picture of Christ being baptized. Coming up out of the water, the dove descending as the holy picture of the Holy Spirit, the voice from heaven speaking and declaring, this is my son. So he gets his identity, not by anything in culture, but by what the Father has said about him. Can I speak to you this morning, and the Lord has declared to you, the Father from heaven has spoken, and he has declared that you are his beloved, you've been accepted in the beloved, and you are his son. He's well pleased with you. That is our identity inside of the kingdom of God. Now, in ancient Semitic legends, chaos was a monster or a twisting dragon, and his name was Leviathan. You can find it in Job. You can find it in Isaiah. You can find it in Psalm. David declares, wow, what a beautiful picture. Leviathan was a sea creature with seven heads, and it was a twisting dragon, but it was legend. It was not truth. It's like the Loch Ness Monster. Okay, it's, it's just a legend. And this followed throughout Scripture. He would say, well, it's in the Bible, but they were using legends to show pictures. David grabs it, and he says that, you, O oh Lord, have crushed the heads of Leviathan and he has become food for those in the desert. Wait, it's a sea creature. Why is it food for those in the desert? Go to Matthew, the first chapter. The chaos around you is a twisting dragon. It's a monster of sorts and it will twist and try to squeeze the life out of you to pull you into the culture of the age. But in Matthew 4, we have an example. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, or desert, to be tempted by the devil. The word devil is not capitalized in the original language. Now, English language capitalizes places, people, things. But the word devil here is not capitalized in the original language. I'm sorry that I have to give a disclaimer. I am not denying that you have an enemy, an adversary. But what I will tell you about your adversary is he is completely disarmed, disrobed, decommissioned, defeated, has no power, has no weapons to defeat you, and can only try to accuse you. But even the accusations that have been made are silenced. What happens is you have strongholds in your mind and the system will become demonic. I'm not even talking about demons. I'm talking about strongholds because of a mindset and people who have gone through addiction, people who have been molested, people who have PTSD because of certain uh, 
traumas and, and tragedies in their life have gotten strongholds in their mind that have become demonic and it will drive them nuts. Then they have erratic behavior, they have disorder in their life, and they have confusion. That's chaos. And it's squeezing, twisting them, and bringing the life right out of them. And they're believers. But Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness but to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. So Jesus goes into the wilderness to face a dragon of sorts. A serpent. If the kingdom is made up of us witnessing to the world what we see out of Jesus, then maybe we should pay attention to how he confronts dragons. Let me say it to you this way. Maybe we should pay attention to the way that he addressed chaos. One thing for me to believe in who you are, but it's another thing for you to believe who you are. I believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I believe that you are beloved. You've been accepted, not rejected. I believe you're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. I believe that you're more than a conqueror. One thing for me to believe that about you, but what do you believe about you? You will really only know when you face conflict and chaos in your garden. See, Jesus walked into the wilderness so that we'd know how to walk out. Did you get that? Write that down. He walked into the wilderness so that we would know how to walk out. How did he walk out? Victorious. So when we walk into our wilderness, what we already know is how to walk out, and that's victorious. When we're facing chaos, it's not greater than the God that lives within us, so the chaos around us cannot defeat us. We've got to know that we overcome the chaos. We overcome the disorder. In the kingdom of God, we are principled. We are not unprincipled. We're not manipulated. And so our behavior lines up and is becoming of a son our attitudes, our mindsets, our language. See, we are bringing the king. We are walking into the world and we are bringing the king and the kingdom into someone else's hell. If I walk into Gary's hell on earth because of the chaos that he is in and I act like he does, talk like he does, Is that going to be impactful to him? Well, you say you have the king and the kingdom in you. See, I'm persuaded more now than ever that when we walk into people's chaos and the hell that they are experiencing on earth where they are weeping, wailing, and gnashing their teeth, that the king and the kingdom and the principles of that kingdom can decimate, demolish, destroy, and tear down every idea, every thought. And then as the king is presented, as we declare the gospel of the kingdom, they can leave their hell on earth to begin to experience heaven on earth before they actually get to heaven when they die. Listen, you've got Christ in you, and you cannot lose him. (laughs) He won't leave. You can't evict him. So when you fail to confront the issues or the chaos, then it will consume you. Because you will be working 
your fingers to the bone to try to get out of that mess, to try to get out of that disorder, to try to get out of that chaos. We, we have Jesus to bring with us when our identity is challenged. And believe you me, if Jesus' identity was challenged, your identity and my identity will be challenged. The very thing that heaven called him, hell tried to lie to him about. We are no different than our master. But I've got good news with you if you'll turn to Revelation, the 12th chapter. Verses 7 through 11, Revelation 7, or 12, 7 through 11. I am not trying to convince you or persuade you, and recently because people think, I think certain things, see, because people won't crucify you for what you said, they'll crucify you for what they thought you said. But in 300 B.C., Augustine, St. Augustine said, that the book of Revelation should not be canonized if it was to predict the future. Because if it was to predict the future, it wasn't consistent with all of the other epistles and gospels that were going to be canonized. That was said in 300 B.C. You do with that what you want to do with that, okay? But I believe that this portion of Scripture that I'm getting ready to read to you, if it is futuristic, then I... I I'm concerned about going to heaven. Okay? Just follow along with me. Revelation chapter 12. And war broke out in heaven. Hold on. If war is going to break out in heaven in the future, mark me out. I'll stay right here where I am because I'm enjoying every day. Walking with the king right here. But war broke out in heaven. Past tense. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. If they still have to fight with the dragon and he's not been defeated, then all the other scriptures are lying to me that he's been defeated. They fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. Verse 8, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, what's that next word? Now. Now, not past, not future, now, when it was written saying, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Have come. It's here now. For the accuser of our brethren who accused him before our God day and night has been cast down. Listen, we have the anti-venom. Snakes have not been removed because verse 11 says, I hope if, if you don't have your Bibles, get your smartphone out, you need to see. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb which has already been shed, not to be shed in the future, shed once and for all, and the word of their testimony, the declaration of the gospel, and they didn't love their lives even unto death. We have the antivenom. Snakes have not been removed. Eden was paradise, a perfect place, and guess what was in Eden? A snake. Guess what's in your garden? 
snakes, chaos. But the antivenom takes away the power of the venom by us knowing our identity and living and walking in it. The dragon, Frank, if you will come, Angie. The dragon, the demon you're facing, that chaos, will always challenge your identity. But you overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, which has already been shed, and the Word declaring the gospel. When your identity is challenged, a lot of times we want instant but temporary gratifications. If you go in that direction, you will end up with lingering consequences. I call it the Esau principle, the Esau syndrome. Give me instant gratification. He bought a mess of pottage for his birthright, and it had lingering consequences. I believe that people have... um, become so unprincipled and conformed even as believers that their identity has been challenged and when their identity was challenged they traded their inheritance the benefit of that right now for lingering consequences of their actions and behavior listen don't shortchange your inheritance. That's what Esau did. Not a kingdom principle, but it's so easy when we become distracted and we lose our focus to be conformed to the culture for instant, temporary gratification that has lingering consequences. That's what chaos will do. But praise God, I believe that we have won the victory through the blood of the Lamb. And as we walk in the kingdom, we have the kingdom divine power energized that has given us effective principles to defeat, well, to remind the enemy that he is defeated. And our identity, just as Jesus' identity was challenged, will always be challenged. My encouragement for you today is... The kingdom is ours. The choice is yours. Do you want to participate in it? Or do you want to continue in your chaos? See, we still have to deal with stuff as believers. We're in this world, but we're not of it. So we we have to deal with stuff. We have to deal with snakes. We have to deal with dragons. We have to deal with chaos. We have to deal with culture around us. But how how do we do it as the sons of God with our heads held high operating in kingdom principles. I believe that the Lord released some things to you this morning to think about and to get into the Word and study so that you will know how to operate in those. Matthew is asking, was that 300 A.D. or 300 B.C.? It was A.D. St. Augustine. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask Angie to sing this communion song this morning. And there's communion elements on the back table.
There's King communion elements up front, and as she sings this song, would you come and get elements, take them back to your seat? And then I'm going to share with you just briefly before we take these elements together, because this morning, here's what I want us to do in communion. I want us to be reminded that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We're remembering what He did when we take the Lord's table this morning. So as she sings, you worship and you come and get these elements and go back to your seat. We'll take them together in just a moment.